I'm Matt Porter, Build President and CEO of Kalinex Mines. We're a junior exploration company focused in northern Manitoba and within the Flintlong Greenstone Belt. We have two high-grade emerging copper, gold, silver, zinc deposits, just uh, approximately infrastructure in Flintlong, Manitoba. Max, thank you for the introduction. Good to be talking to you again. It's been about uh, six or seven, possibly even eight months since I spoke to you last, although you caught up with Matt in uh, October, I think, um, no, September. Um, you're on a roll. You know, your share price has, has popped. You're up. You've just raised some capital. Um, you must be feeling pretty good. No, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling excellent. Um, you know, every year has been more and more exciting the longer we've gone on since the Discovery Bowl of Rainbow in 2020. Uh, then later having the Discovery of Alchemist last year, you know, every year seems to be very, very exciting. So we're really pleased to get into 2023 uh, and get to work. And you've just raised $8.2 million. Um, I've I've raised plenty of money for junior companies uh, over my years. And I, I know it's always a relatively stressful time when you're kind of closing a book. And there's always a feeling of satisfaction uh, when you've got it done. So uh, presumably, that's not a dissimilar experience for you. Yeah, no, it's uh, one of the largest capital raises we've ever done in the company. I think the terms were uh, amenable. Uh, we're very excited to have the capital necessary to commence our upcoming work program out at Pine Bay. Uh, in terms of shareholders, you know, every time we always look to bring the, the strongest shareholders onto the registry. I think this time was no different. And I think, um, well, I know I'm, I'm very pleased with the outcome. I'm very excited to have the shareholders that have joined the company join and see the continued support from our existing shareholders as well. Uh, while I can't name names now, uh, certainly I think in the future, you know, that'll be uh kind of outline and, and a lot of people will be pleased with who we've brought onto the, the shareholder registry this time around. Um, institutional names uh, or high net worth individuals, you know, are, are these um, kind of individuals that we'd recognize or is it is it more kind of institutions have kind of started to join the the, the register? No, there'd be, uh, you know, large institutional investors that you, you'd certainly know the names of and they're very well respected. And at the end of the day, we've always looked to build a shareholder registry um, of long-term supporters that understand the business, understand what we're on to, and uh, have a you know a bit more foresight than you know the next two three months per se. And uh, for the sake of the, for the benefit of the viewers, could you just remind us what the terms are of the capital raise? Yes, certainly. So we did a, uh, a financing. Each unit consisted of a one common share at three fifteen a unit, and then uh, there was a half award on that four hundred five. And then the charitable uh, side of things for the charitable flow through structure was priced at. $5.67 a share um, after you use that leverage. And there's tremendous leverage now with critical minerals. We're very pleased, obviously, of having a really rich copper discovery in general, but we're quite pleased with support on the, the federal level uh, as they've opened up and give even more incentive uh, for exploration for these minerals within Canada. Uh, so by comparison, for example, our delta on the, the float that you raised last time was one62 uh, and that predated when they had this new critical minerals credit uh, since their last raise, they, they implemented that. Uh, so, you know, the delta's now moved up to roughly about 1.8 is what our delta was. Uh, and I know that varies from deal to deal, but we're quite pleased with that. Uh, in Manitoba, overall, it's, you know, I think the second, high, second highest, uh, most favorable uh, charitable flow-through structure you can receive in all of Canada outside of Quebec. I think the delta on Quebec is like 2.1. Uh, don't quote me on that one. Uh, just for everyone's records, I, I don't raise money. Quebec, I just think that's where it's at. Um, it's amazing, isn't it? It's, it's, it's such a good thing. And it, um, having that support from the from the government um, and that culture of mining, 
Um, is there a is there an accelerator on those warrants out there at um, at um, four or five? You know, if if you get through yeah, so if there is an acceleration on the warrants at a hundred and fifty percent premium to the deal price. Did your, you know, the, the the structure with the warrant was that something that your broker suggested? Was that something that your shareholders particularly wanted? Because when I'm uh, quite often when I'm uh, speaking to the institutions on the shareholder register, they say actually we don't want the warrants. I just, or was it just because it's the model in Canada? You know, every investor is different. Um, I think that we try to strike a, a, a nice balance between all investors. You know, certainly you'll you'll never see or have never seen Calinex and since I've been here at least since 2014 or even predating that ever do a like a full warrant or a full five year warrant. I think those things can be um, a hard pull to swallow and not necessarily good for anybody at the end of the day. Uh, so no, I mean, I think we we've always you know tried to make a balance between that. I am quite happy with with the terms. Uh, I think everybody's happy with the terms on that. You've also, um, in your news releases kind of earlier this year, you say that you're kind of working towards your maiden resource estimate at Rainbow. So you've, you've got this um, you've got this belt of, of VMS deposits um, on this kind of the, the Mill Rock growth fault or the Mill Rock Mountain growth fault and, and various kind of pods along that that fault corridor. Um, and the first one that you drilled at uh, Rainbow, um, Pine Bay Rainbow, um, you talk about that coming to be a resource. Uh, where are you in that process and when when can we expect it? So all the data has been sent off to the um, our resource modeler, Kirkham Geosciences, uh, Garth Kirkham. So he has all the data and that was one of the things that was slowing us down was very long assay turnarounds, but I know that we're not unique to that. So I never looked to make an excuse for anything, quite frankly, it's just is what it is as far as that goes. Uh, and so he has all the data and that was one of the first announcements we put out this year is that he's working on modeling in terms of timing, we've given guidance within Q2 of this year. And that's directly from Garth and, you know, obviously we're dependent on his workload and all the things he has on his put as well, outside of just calendars. Uh, thank you. Now Q2 is, um, uh, really helpful. And, um, <clears throat> In in addition to the resource on that, of course, you've got you you made a more recent discovery. Your discovery last year was on Alchemist, which is further to the west. And if I look at your presentation in between them, you've got a new target called Odin. Um, what's the what's the outside of the resource modeling? What's your work plan for this year looking like? So it's going to be quite exciting on a number of fronts. So we have that resource uh, pending on Rainbow. Uh, we'll also, also be testing Rainbow down the plunge line at depth. Uh, below the the 900 meter level. I mean, 900 meters is the deepest intersection we really have in Rainbow on the Discovery Vault and on a big step out on, it was drill 158. Uh, borehole EM results in the deepest holes in Rainbow suggest indicate that it does continue at depth uh, as well as that it's supported by geochem. So we're gonna be testing Rainbow at depth. There's also an opportunity to, to add or have an extension of one of the lenses to the south. Uh, roughly between the 500 meter level down to the 900 meter level. Now it's supported by borehole EM results of initial discovery hole. When we initially hit rainbow, there was multiple conductors within that hole. We focused on the primary conductor, which ultimately uh, emerged as uh, the orange zone in the rainbow deposit. So there was another anomaly that we'll be testing as part of the, the, the exploration right around the immediate vicinity of rainbow. 
And then along that growth fault corridor, we'll be testing vertically above the last intersections in Alchemist, as well as vertically below to see if that, you know, picks up and cruise where that leads us. Uh, and then in terms of um, target area Odin, target area Odin, I'm, we're all very, very excited about. Now it's something that we were excited about last year, probably the last time we spoke is what we're working on there. Uh, and, you know, with that area overall, we were vectoring last year, tasting some borehole yam anomalies. We actually intersected the Odin horizon, we'll call it, uh, in in the last full PBM 191, and that returned some of the highest precious metal intervals that you see on the entire property, and that's over, you know, at this point, I think over 850 drill holes or so. And so uh, that's important in multiple levels. It was we ran half meter of five gram per ton gold, which is very, very high grade gold in terms of, you know, context of these VMS systems. But more importantly, it was the silver because it was over 50 gram per ton silver. And why that's important is that when you, when you vector these VMS systems, you're looking for zinc in or high grade silver distal to a VMS deposit. So we're waiting geochem data uh, from those drill holes in the, uh, the Odin target area, as well as world OEM from another well that we drilled in that area that we need to follow up on. But everything's shaping up very, very nicely for Odin, given that intersection on the horizon, which we, you know, we'll call the Odin horizon. And um, that sits on the edge of a very, very large chargeability ISO shell. In fact, it's the largest chargeability ISO shell uh, an entire IP surveyed area for any area that we covered with IP to date. Um, there's one caveat in terms of the IP we did, didn't have and don't have IP data of over at Alchemist. Uh, that was just an area that wasn't collected at the time we did the survey. Uh, there's no doubt, obviously, it would have represented a very large chargeability ISO shell. We know that from the geology we intersected. But in terms of Odin, everything's you know setting up beautifully. So we're looking to test that target area uh, at, uh, at some point in the campaign. As soon as we get the the geochem data back and probe the hole, which will happen, you know, very very soon in the next few weeks. Can I just go back to way back to a comment you made um, a long time ago? You said that uh, when you when you're going to be testing um, um, rainbow, you said you've got indications from the geochemistry that it continues at depth. How does that work? Because these bodies are sub vertical, as far as I understand. It. You know, how, what's your ge geochemical indicator that there's continuity at depth surely that would be a geological and geophysical vector rather than a geochemical one well no, the geochem is just a numerical quantity for your alteration system so if you look at the deepest holes into rainbow you're seeing increased chloride alteration and sericide alteration and that'll be in your in your geochem data uh, provided with you'd be cooler more close to the surface okay so it's a it's a it's a, it's a um, the, the chemistry of the data from your from your lower drill hole suggests that there's continuity. Um, sorry, so I, I, uh, I just wanted to clarify that it wasn't surface GM, um, um, geochem. Okay. Geochemist, uh, geo, geochemical data from the existing drill data. So when we do that, we'll look at thallium. Uh, there's different indices that we'll look at in terms of Hashimoto indexes, Spitz-Darling indices. And those are the type of things that I'm not an expert at per se. I, I don't understand them enough to make me dangerous, so to speak. Uh, and that's really what, where Jim comes in with his technical skill set on our team, uh, is analyzing the geochem data. But it's for geochemistry. Uh, and really, when we do vector, we're looking at the three Gs, geology, geochemistry, and, and geophysics. So sorry if I misworded that earlier. No, no, no you didn't. Uh, I, just, I just ran down one, um, one rabbit hole when it was uh, a different rabbit hole. 
good. Um, <clears throat> so you've 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 talked about the three programs. You've talked about doing some deeper, deeper drilling uh, at Rainbow, and then chasing another of the lenses, uh, which wasn't the orange lens. Um, you've talked about doing some more drilling above and below your intercepts at Alchemist, and then drilling at um, Odin as well. Can you give me a kind of a timeline of when the drill's going to hop between the the projects and a rough total? I mean, have you, do you think about? I mean, have you have you got a kind of a uh, kind of a starting meterage in your head for this year? Yeah, I mean, I think it's first pass. And one other area that I didn't mention that we will look to test this year is over on the cabin horizon. And I'll just you know before I touch on the rest, but you know, in terms of cabin, cabin horizon is adjacent to the largest uh, the, this very large. Uh, alteration system map at surface that spans 700 by 1100 meters geochemistry and depth are lighting up very very strong they always have been and that's where we had <clears throat> supply grade intercepts at depth in in 2016 it was really our first discovery was over on the cabin horizon but the time we couldn't replicate that so based upon a lot of the work that we've done over the past several years obviously we're revisiting the cabin horizon uh, and we'll be testing there now in terms of size in the the reason for that being such a big deal, that's where Placidome was really focused on for the 30 million ton exploration target. That's where you have that very large alteration system mapped at surface. And that alteration being so large is really one of the key ingredients why Placidome applied for a 30 million ton target in the area. And it was always on the thesis that the system is overturned in that overturned that part of the property and then you'd have the high grade displaced to depth. And you know, we proved that as a proof of concept with the discovery all in 2016. We just couldn't replicate on it, but we're going to be revisiting that again based upon, you know, a refreshed look on the cabin horizon. Now, in terms of size of initial program, you know, we haven't announced that formally, but you're looking probably on the ballpark of about 10,000 meter campaign to test rainbow at depth, as I mentioned. Alchemist follow up on Odin and deepen uh, and wedge off some some holes over it at the cabin horizon to get that work necessary. And then, of course, the uh, the follow-up to that contingent would be... on yeah, can based on results. Um, so just when you say over on the cabin horizon, um, you've got two blocks of properties, haven't you? And so I'm 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 assuming that you're talking about the 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 the, the western concession area, right? So within the Pine Bay project, the cabin horizon will sit roughly I'd say about within a kilometer of Rainbow. It's further along the forward, but you're going over to the east on the growth fault quarter as opposed to focusing on the west uh we focus on the most proximal part of that growth fault quarter with great success but at the same time you know you've got to con con constantly evolve and constantly revisit things that work that you've done because there was a lot of work that was done there was a lot of investment into that and then we have an opportunity to leverage off of that work in a low-cost way to test some thesis that we've come up with since that time and you know that's really the biggest bank for your buck is to to follow up on these that you know and then do it in a low-cost way um and once you've got your maiden resource on uh on rainbow what what's the strategy at that point are you will you be because there are two ways you can go one is you can kind of focus on adding more tons at alchemist odin cabin bay wherever you know is you can continue the growth um uh approach to to grow that resource base or you can go down. Let's the let's define the economics. Let's wrap some economics around this resource that, that we have defined at this point. Uh, or are you maybe going to do both. What's the strategy? Well, no, I think we're we're obviously focused on exploration here in 2023. That's going to be the immediate focus uh, moving forward. 
I mean, I, I have, uh, you know, been working on things on, on, on moving the project forward in other ways and in different avenues. I think it's too early to speak on that. Uh, but we have been speaking to policymakers about the current state and, and what we can do. And from our perspective as a private company, that's really focused on, on creating jobs for that community. But at the same time, uh, we've got to be cognizant on our limitations to capital requirements and where we're going to get the biggest upside for our shareholders. And quite frankly, that's going to be on the exploration side of things, all else being equal. Um, but we will be looking to de-risk it in other ways, in other low cost ways as we move through things forward. But again, I think it's premature to speak about things that we're there and set in stone just right now. Gotcha. And just to put things in context, when you talk about the local community, um, I th when we last spoke, I think the the 777 mine was just about to close and it, it has closed now. So, that, you know, they're, they're, there's huge changes in the local area, aren't there? Yeah, on multiple fronts, I think there's big, been big, big changes. Uh, certainly, the the community is uh, dealing with the job losses. Uh, they have transferred some of those jobs over to Snow Lake. I can tell you, I mean, even since the the mine did shut down, there has been an increase in crime within the community, which is unfortunate, but I think that's not something that probably be not seen anywhere else. I think it's probably amplified given the, the local impact of what's going on, as opposed to everything else that's kind of tough going on around the world today. Uh, but, you know, certainly that when we go to Flint Flon or visiting the town, there's a lot of support coming from the community. Uh, we were there just over the winter and you know i can tell you that the locals bring cookies to the drillers stuff like that so uh and those are things that um you know really send a strong message to people that work with the organization and, and make you really excited to to come to work at at pine bay you know so there's no, no problem finding drillers uh because it's a quite peaceful place and you get people to deliver you cookies from time to time so um you know we remain steadfast with our long-term vision and to execute on the long-term vision, we've got to hit holes through drilling. We've been very successful at doing that over the past several years. I mean, our team's success predates even that work. And we look to have more success in 2023. And in terms of the maiden resource, I think the maiden resource is going to show uh, what Rainbow is and what Rainbow is in relation to other mines that have historically or to other deposits that have historically been mined in the past. And uh, it'll, it'll give a good pulse to not only ourselves, I think we have a pretty good in hand on where we're at, but to policymakers, stakeholders, shareholders, all of that, uh, it's really quantify that because rainbow is so unique in that you don't really have a good crop or a rainbow. There's not many rainbows out there, which is, uh, says a lot about rainbow, but you know, in terms of normal to deposits, I was talking to an investor just the other day and they were having a tough time wrapping their head around what rainbow was worth or what it is because they're looking at you, I used to look at poor free. And when you look at a lot of these corporate systems where you're looking to move, you know, 10 to 15 times the volume, if not more, relative to the type of volume moving a high grade, it's just a, a different animal. So I'm very excited about publishing the resource at Ray was a key milestone for us. We'll be also updating the historic resource at Pine Bay with the guides of, you know, roughly 5 million tons between the two. Uh, and again, they'll sit right next to the hydroelectric power line with road access to the community there. When you say that the, 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 the um, investors are struggling to get their head around it, we, what, and you're saying that uh, it's unique or it's differentiated from the crowd, in what sense? Um, well, high grade. I mean, I think if you, you, if you look at the grades, there's not too many high grade copper deposits around the world. That's why they're unique. Most people are looking at big, poor free targets nowadays. 
porphyry targets, you know, go in vogue. But if you look at the major part of copper production globally, the average rate of copper mining around the world is less than half a percent. So when you're out there announcing super high grades, we're averaging, you know, three and a half, four percent copper, the grade to tonnage relative to a big low grade, big volume operation in the in the uh, economics that surround something like that are, you know, obviously like night and day uh, in relation to another. So high grade discoveries don't come often. And that's what I was just saying, trying to convey is that, you know, when you're averaging, you're looking at one thing and then, you know, you're looking at the stable of horses and the unicorn walks by, you're not used to seeing the unicorn. You're like, how do you value your uniform? Um, and why are you giving a guidance of 5 million tons for the... Um, do you say you were giving guidance of 5 million tons? That's the year mark behind the two. You know, that's based on the historic resource at, at Pine Bay, as well as, you know, doing back of the envelope in terms of grades and widths that we're seeing at Rainbow be roughly about 4 million tons at Rainbow open at depth. Now, um, when you put that in considerate... I'm sorry? Of, of of material, four million tons of, of resource. That's correct, yeah. Back of the envelope based on, you know, going on to each 100-meter level and taking the average grade and average, you know, true width. We have the specific gravity measurements and then doing a back of the envelope, that's where you get, you know, some, a number right around four million tons. And now when you stack that in terms of relation to other mines in Flin Flon's history, uh, if you look at the initial reserves of the mines in Flin Flon's history, there's only... You have two other mines in Flin Flon's history, 29 mines in that whole greenstone belt, where the maiden reserve was over 3 million tons uh, for a deposit. Uh, and of course, the big thing in these VMS systems in general is that once you get into these systems, they grow. So, for example, if you look at you know 777, its maiden reserve was less than you know 3 million tons or so. Obviously, the indications would be much larger and turned out to be 26 uh, million plus tons. If you look at Trout Lake, Trout Lake's maiden reserve was sub 3 million tons. I think that was 2.7 million tons, and it turned into 21 million tons. And again, that's because these systems go deep. 777 started at 900 meters vertical depth. I think that's unique about Rainbow. Rainbow's initial, I mean, starts within 100 meters of the surface. So it's, it's a very shallow discovery. It's the most shallow discovery in over three decades within 30 kilometers of Flin Flon. So... Um, that's kind of what I was in terms of guidance and where we see rainbow and how unique rainbow is. It's going to be one of the largest and, and no, we're not going to be able to the reserve basis, but certainly in terms of resources, you know, com kind of comparing that to the work producers, it'll stack up quite well. Because, you know, really it was a 62 million ton Flin Flon ore body that got over 15 million tons out of the gate. That deposit outcrops at surface. And outside of that was Lawler, uh, that went over 10 million tons on a, on a neutral reserve basis. But, you know, Lawler's, you know, dips at a 50-degree angle, so it's like drilling out a pancake. And, and again, in terms of depth, Lawler tops out at 550 meters vertical depth. Um, and discovery hole depth was similar to, to Rainbow. Thank you. It's really, it was really helpful just to reiterate this context and the kind of the talk about the productivity of the, of the belt and the, and the um, unique attributes of each uh, deposit, particularly Rainbow. Um, <clears throat> In these kinds of deposits in volcanogenic massive sulfides, VMSs, one of the big questions is around uh, mineralogy and metallurgical response. W where are you on the on that test work uh, journey? Yeah, so we haven't completed any test work at Rainbow. Um, there's a lot of knowledge on the mineralization in the area. I know all the deposits from deposit to deposit 
are are different. Uh, in terms of the Pine Bay deposit, that that deposit was um, actually taking a feasibility study twice. The last time was in 1973 or so by Hut Bay, uh, and there was no problems with the metallurgical standpoint. So there isn't a deposit in Flintlock to date that hasn't had uh, or that has had you know metallurgical problems that led it to not being able to. Uh, you know, go into a production type scenario. Uh, but in terms of rainbow itself, we haven't done any, any uh, met work on rainbow. Uh, but in terms of, you know, rock competency and all that, it's quite favorable. And have you got any plans to do, I mean, even if it's just um, petrography work across across all of the, the deposits or kind of, a, uh, you know, do you have a kind of metallurgical program that you want to start at some stage? You know, at some stage, but at the, at the same time, we're always you know, balancing limited budgets. Even when you raise more money, uh, the money doesn't go as far as it once did. Uh, and so with that being said, you have to manage your budgets. You have to manage budgets to where, you know, we drill this hole. What do we learn and what's the upside to our investors? And right now with the limited capital out there and, you know, ability to, you know, manage dilution, of course, to be milestones, it makes more sense for us in the immediate term, at least, to do the exploration work uh, and focus on that. Now, I, you know, as I mentioned, I am working in win ways to try to get that kind of work done in the future. Um, but again, that wouldn't be from the curve capital that we've raised uh, from exp for our exploration focus. Uh, you know, right now is really focused on building scale, building more tons, and we have a, a great opportunity to do that. We've already, you know, well on the way, I think, to, to have an opportunity at Alchemist. Certainly indications that Odin are, are really promising. And, you know, Rainbow is what Rainbow is. And, and you know, at the end of the day, you, you got to test Rainbow at death as part of the process. You know, I mean, we got here by not being afraid of failure. And so we'll continue to take the shots that we didn't take to get us to where we need to get. And that's part of expanding the exit of discovery. So, you know, I guess it's a good segue because we did recently bring it and have strengthened our team. We publicly announced uh, Peter R. Jones joining our team. Uh, we've got others that will be joining our team in the near future that uh, are already working on our behalf in, in, in one way or another. Uh, but that also kind of transitions us to bring in the skills and the people that skill set, I should say, um, to take us to the next level moving forward in, in thinking those type of things through. So, you know, quite pleased to have Peter on because, you know, aside from being an amazing engineer, Peter is as an entrepreneurial spirit, just like the rest of us here at Caledex. I uh, was, you know, integral in the RTO of Onzing to acquire the, what's now the Hut Bay assets and Flintflon assets for 777 from Anglo. Uh, oversaw the development and construction financing of 777. Oversaw the discovery of Lawler and the initial development of Lawler and set the tone for Hut Bay to become what Hut Bay is prior to retiring, uh, retiring in 2010 from Hut Bay. And so to add Peter on the team, as it should hopefully raise a strong vote of confidence, Peter's done his own work on what we have as discovery. I don't think Peter just um, certainly joins anything just because uh, someone calls him up and says, hey, you want to go have some fun? Uh, but certainly quite pleased to have him on the team uh, because, you know, if you look at Kalinex, you know, we have this strong technical exploration skill set. And Peter, as an engineer goes, they always say, oh, engineers don't like exploration, but Peter likes exploration. Peter understands where we are as an organization, where we're heading. Um, but again, you have to have that foresight as you look further down the road in terms of the next steps. And Peter can certainly bring that with his vast experience 
uh, on multiple fronts aside from just being an amazing engineer. Because I mean, and it was no. Did you did you really not? Yeah. Did did you really not just call him up and say, um, "Do you want to have some fun?" I mean, surely, surely that's part of the conversation. Well, I mean, it's always part of the conversation, but you know, everybody comes at their own time and all on their own terms, and that's just part of it. I mean, I think if you're all, you're trying to recruit a all-star basketball team you, or, you know, football team or whatever sports team, and you go try to court someone to join your team, you know, there's, there's gotta be on their terms. They want to be able to feel that they can add value and play because everybody on the team isn't necessarily driven by money. I get that question a lot of times and it's like, oh, well, how's everybody incentivized? And it's amusing to me in many ways is that everybody seems to be so lost on the fact that you can be incentivized in life by something other than money. Uh, and I don't know if that happened to be talking to investors in the context of um, investing, but surely the team are, you know, at a particular stage in their career where I would say money isn't something that they, they've done well enough in their life that isn't a worry for them. And so at the end of the day, you go, and really it is, is that you can come back and, and make change for a community that you've made change for before. And that, I think, experience is fulfilling. And it's certainly, you know, I wouldn't do well financially, of course, everybody wants to do well financially in life, um, unless you got your screw loose a bit. But you know, you want to do that by you know creating something for others, and that's the exciting part of exploration. That's the exciting part in terms of our discoveries is the immediate impact that they can have on a community out there. Because that's the other thing is is as we build the team to strengthen the team to try to you know look to advance us and how we can strengthen things and move things forward in the future. You got to put things in context of what's been done before and how can we, you know, do that again or improve it. And, you know, the Reed Lake mine, which I didn't touch on in this conversation, we probably talked on the best, but Reed Lake was located 100 kilometers away from Flintclaw when it was discovered on an option agreement with Hud Bay in 2010. Hud Bay got involved in 2013. That was in construction by 2014, um, or late, or late 2013, early 2014, and ended up producing for two and a half years at half the copper price that we're at today you know, three times the distance where we are and the deposit size was again, half the size roughly of where we are at Pine Bay. But not only were they able to permit and get the production so quickly, but that was actually within a provincial park, which I think a lot of people aren't aware of. If you look at Lawler, which is a, a, the major mine in Snow Lake now, from construction papers, I'm sorry, from the project description, which is where you have all your studies done, and you put your project description in, they got construction papers within 12 months, which to my knowledge is a record in Canada. So again, the permitting regime is there to meet the needs. Uh, there's certainly support on the, even higher on the federal level with these critical minerals within Canada. And so uh, again, we just need to execute and bring the people that have done it before uh, alongside so that when we reach that stage as an organization, you know, it's not like we're scrambling to, you know, we're not reactionary. I don't ever try to be a reactionary uh, person. I don't wait for something to happen to me to then go do something. That's how we got here in the first place. We said, hey, there's a business opportunity because this town's going to need it. Let's go do something about it. As opposed to, oh, no, the, there is no mine. What are we going to do? And then wait around until there's no mine, right? It, then we would have been starting for one. Yeah, no, and... um it, it looks like you've got all the ingredients. You've got that. You've just got the cash raised up, um, um, raised. You've got you're adding good people to the team in the form of um, Peter R. Jones. Um, maybe during the course of this year, you'll get a, a resource geologist, so you can bring that in house rather than um, uh, a, a external. Um, 
and you've got you've, you've got a year of exploration and discovery, so uh, it, it should be a cracker. Yeah, no, it's it's it, we have a tight tight tracks uh, cap table too. I mean, every time you do a capital raise, you want to make sure that the people are on the they're in their car wanting to race the race for you. They're not looking to jump out of the next pit stop, right? So we we definitely I think have the shareholders that um, see the uh, the technical aspects of of what we're on to, the value that we're on to, that we're looking to drive. Uh, and the longer-term catalysts that can make everybody a lot of money, and you know, the certainly you know the the largest order in our recent financing, um, they don't you won't typically see them in a registry of a company or a size. Uh, you know, to my knowledge, at least, maybe I'm wrong on that, but I don't think so. Uh, and so I think that again, it's having a stable support of capital is also key for our shares to perform well in the open market. Great. Well, um, good luck. Thank you very much for the update. It's been timely. Um, I look forward to going over the resource when it comes out, the new, uh, the maiden resource on Rainbow, and uh, hopefully some, uh, it'll be accompanied with some drill results and some uh, news on Odin and Alchemist at the same time. Yes, certainly. No, I look forward to it. And again, we'll we'll be announcing when we we'll get drilling, but it shouldn't be too far in the distant future. And though I'll round that out with is patience, because when you drill deep holes, they do take time, uh, and that is something that anybody that is new to Caladex should understand before investing is anticipate before you participate as they say uh and so again just we do drill deeper holes than the average drill company and exploration company that's just the nature of what we're into uh so time is uh patience is necessary fantastic thank you very much thanks so much for having me